talking all about this Jewish festival called Purim. It has to do with Esther as well. You've been sharing her story and just helping us understand that, you know, God, he still wants to use us in that same way today to bring deliverance. Yeah. It's a simple, profound thing and very fun story. A lot of celebration. In fact, we've the story part of it is, is done because we've told you how it started, how it ended in, in a great way with a great victory. So now as Jews or Christians or whoever, how what what is expected of you? A perm comes along. What is it you're supposed to do, required to do? So number one. You have to read the Megillah, that is the book or the scroll of Esther. That's that's a big one. And if you go to any congregation, you're going to hear the hear it several times. Uh, the second one, and, the, and these are all just a very cool, it's an unusual holiday. These all came from uh, Mordecai when he first initiated this going back uh, 2,500 years ago. So number two, to give money to at least two poor people. It's very specific. How much do you give to the poor? Well, to fulfill the mitzvah of giving charity to two poor people, you can give either food or money equivalent to the amount of food that's eaten at a regular meal. So basically, you're buying two people a meal today. Even the poorest Jew who is himself dependent on charity is required to give to other poor people. That's how important perm is. And so this particular day, even the poorest of the poor have to share with two other people. That's just to honor the memory and the victory. The other one, uh, the other tradition is to send gift baskets of sweets and snacks and other foodstuffs. And it has to have at least two kinds of food. And you do that to one person. Uh, these are called Mishloak Manat. So these are little gift baskets. And so you, you buy two people a meal and, and you send out some gift baskets. Now, a traditional uh, perm food is these three cornered pastries. Now, they've had all kind of things from poppy seeds to fruit or sweet filling. More lately, they're beginning to fill them with chocolate. So, you know, my time is coming, clearly. <laughs> so these things, uh, the only weird thing about them is they're called hamantashen in English or asnehomen in Hebrew. <laughs> it basically means Haman's ears. And I'm not really sure why we're eating Haman's ears. But nonetheless, that's what that is. So they make these special little triangles of food. Uh, of course, they also, everybody seems to attend some kind of festive feast. Uh, one important note, it specifically says to give gifts, not charity. Charity implies money given to the poor out of pity. But gifts are exchanged between equals as an expression of gratitude or friendship. So even the day itself isn't built around charity or that concept. It's built around this equality. Everyone was in danger of dying. Everyone is rescued. Everyone is on the same playing field. So it's very cool. So you probably need to learn how to say, that at the very least, happy Purim. All right? Okay. In so, Hebrew or it, what are we yeah, talking? Yeah, I was going to say, I think happy Purim. I can, I can do that. I, can I did do that. it. <laughs> I don't know about Hebrew. Yeah, you got to go with Hebrew. Uh -oh. It's actually really, really simple. All right. So it's three words. Mm -hmm. uh, they begin with just the notion of holiday, which is it's H-A-G, but it's pronounced hog. Hog. Hog, okay. Now, Purim, you can say whichever way you like Purim. I think Purim or Purim. Okay. So hog, Purim. And happy is the last word. <laughs> You'd think it'd be the first word, but nonetheless, it's the last word, which is Sumaic. Sumaic? Sumaic. So, Hag Purim or Hag Purim Sumaic. 
You say it better. I'm going to leave it with you. <laughs> and that's I'll, I'll try to figure out. If I go through a drive-thru, I like the idea of paying for two people behind you. You yeah, know, today. Like, just that's bless a good way. two people behind you. Say happy Purim to the two people that uh, follow you at Chick-fil-A or uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Chick-fil-A, in your that's case, where you'll huh? find me. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want a free meal, just follow Corey to Chick-fil-A. All right. Now, sadly, there's always there's always some little sad notion. And, and this one is, because it's such a day of celebration, for many Jews, it's literally much like King uh, Ahasuerus. It was, it's a day of this just drunken revelry, costume parties and parades, all while overflowing with the, obviously the wrong spirit, which is a terrible picture of of what Perm actually represents, which is this is end times kind of thing. It's the virgins preparing for their bridegroom, Jesus. So, and more than anything, celebrating that way with this just drunken revelry, this is the, Isaiah, the, the warning in Isaiah 5. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late in the evening as wine inflames them. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute and wine at their feast, but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or seek the work of his hands. So it's one of those reminders that uh, of all the things that are done today in the celebration and the remembrance of Purim, it shouldn't be drunken revelry. So just a reminder, that's the, the opposite way. It, it represents so much more. And so if you've grown up with the tradition of Purim and it's just, you know, it's just this kind of combination of Halloween and St. Patrick's Day for you, the reality, the spiritual reality is so much bigger. So on the day before Purim, it's customary to fast. It commemorates Esther's fasting and praying to God that he save his people. We're all familiar with uh, Daniel fast. You skip out on the meats and sweets. If you fast for three days, a lot of times that's called an Esther fast, and it's to pay tribute to this particular way in, that they did in ancient Persia. All right, so how should we celebrate? Perm points to end time events for which we need to be prepared, knowing that those who will perish who are not covered with the blood of Jesus, we know that we have to walk to that direction to get them saved. Like Esther, we should be fasting and praying for the peace of Jerusalem and especially the salvation of God's chosen people. Mordecai's tradition of giving gifts of money and food certainly could represent the gifts of salvation and sowing into Messianic ministries seeking to reach the Jews certainly fulfills that vision. While the theme for Purim is celebration and victory throughout history, Purim often coincided with significant events. And it's interesting because, uh, especially for those who have hated the Jews, they've tried to point around Purim these very horrible, tragic events just to try to take the joy out of the special day. The February Revolution in Russia began at Purim in 1917, which led to the Tsar abdicating his throne within the week and so much worse. World War II, 1938, German troops invaded Austria at Purim. At uh, Purim 1942, Auschwitz-Birkenau uh, camp was established. So three massive things. And it's interesting, uh, Adolf Hitler banned and forbade the observance of Purim. Nazi attacks against Jews were often coordinated with Jewish festivals, and Purim was the prime one in 1942, especially uh, just uh, horrible, horrible events. Ten Jews were hanged in Poland to avenge the hanging of Haman's ten sons. In a similar incident in 1943, they shot ten Jews from the ghetto on uh, Purim Eve that same year. Over 100 doctors and their families shot by the Nazis. The following day, the doctors were taken, uh, more doctors were taken 
from uh, Radom and shot nearby in 1942 as well in Perm. The Nazis murdered over 5,000 Jews, mostly children, and the Minsk get uh, all of the victims were shot and buried alive by the Nazis. So all of this centering around Perm just to try to rob and take and steal. Mm. Uh, in an apparent connection made by Hitler between his Nazi regime and the role of Haman, Hitler stated in a speech made in 1944 that if the Nazis were defeated, and they were about to be defeated, the Jews could celebrate a second Purim. So even he got the concept that he was like Haman. In 1946, at the Nuremberg trials, 10 convicted Nazis were hung during the days of awe before Yom Kippur. In an odd bit of irony, Hermann Goering, an 11th Nazi sentenced to hang, committed suicide that morning in a striking parallel to Haman's 11th child you don't hear about. It was a daughter, and she committed suicide. Mm. So it, it turned out to be the very same thing with this situation of the executions at Nuremberg. In the early 1950s, you think it'd be done, but no. Joseph Stalin, remember we talked about this lineage of Agag, uh, Joseph Stalin, who butchered millions of innocent people and many, many, many Jews, had plans to deal with what he called his Jewish problem in the USSR. Well, Stalin was suddenly paralyzed on March 1st, 1953. That was Purim. He died four days later due to his death, much like Purim in the ancient Persia, nationwide pogroms against Jews that he has scheduled and set up to happen all across the Soviet Union were averted as uh, Stalin's infamous doctor's plot was halted. So, an interesting mode there. Jump ahead all the way to 1990. Saddam Hussein of Iraq invaded Kuwait, fired Scud missiles into Israel after the U.S.-led forces attacked Iraq. We were victorious, and the hostilities ended on... Purim. Mm. So it's a fascinating day in history as well of just what God has done and what the evil and what the devil has tried to do. Of course, not wanting to hang on his own gallows, as it said. All right, coming up, we're going to look at end time prophecy. Where does Esther fit into all of that?